0: Another blunt business on cannabisradio.com. Thanks for tuning in and joining us here on the program. And my next guest is a cultivation consultant that specializes in floor plan design, engineering, and equipment selections. He manages a reputable development consultant and industry expert firm specializing in architectural programming, site planning, thorough equipment selection, and process flow design. So, we're here to tell us all about it is the founder CEO at S.B. Silva, LLC. And by the way, the website, if you want to take a look at it while we're following along, is S.B. Silva, S-I-L-V-A dot com. Stephen, thanks for being on with us.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Brasco. I really appreciate
0: it. My pleasure. Really glad to go and have you on. And to kind of just deal with this whole idea of where, you know, give us the behind the scenes of really when you have, you know, if you're going through an acquiring a location to get a project a cultivation project ready to go it's a matter of if you have somebody that's there that can actually help you take you through and basically hold your hand throughout the whole process when it comes to as you say here architectural programming site planning equipment selection and process flow design and you have talked about having a competitive advantage by utilizing a unique network of professionals in development, construction, manufacturing, engineering, and architectural fields to build a dynamic development system that executes complex land use projects. The theme of your clients, for your clients is, quote, it's a race to harvest, end quote. Talk to me, Stephen, about the network you have built out and the race to harvest that your team works on with each project.
1: Absolutely. It's uh. It's really fun. I mean, I have a a genuine passion for the industry and I've had it really early on. You know, I grew up in the Central Valley in California where there's big agriculture all around. And, you know, I I moved to the Bay Area to go to school. I stumbled upon my college roommate was from Garberville and it was a crash course on the industry. And I fell in love with it immediately and started growing uh, both indoors and outdoors myself and was always seeking Doing it professionally, flying the flag of doing it from a professional standpoint, and over the course of growing, I learned a lot of skills and how to do it every which way. Different types of lighting, medium, fertilizer, and eventually found my way into the hydroponic side of the industry, which is you know the equipment vendors supplying the equipment, and that company uh, that really I got my wings is a company called Monster Gardens. So Monster Gardens was a really big part of my career where I cut my teeth because we have this educational YouTube channel where we were comparing products as they were evolving. I want to talk about about that. I want to just hold
0: to the break until we get to Monster Gardens because that's a pretty good chunk of what we were going to be discussing here. uh Now in getting rolling back a little bit uh, just about your work and working indoor outdoor and being able to build your own facilities as personally for as a home grower. Talk to me about the difference when it is when you look at certain land use projects that are agricultural versus cannabis, can you tell me those are some of the distinguishing factors?
1: Well, the biggest, the biggest factor is the commoditization. Uh, The cannabis industry is experiencing it with the pricing starting to fall and there's so much supply on the market. Um, But I still say it's nothing like the commodity crops that I'm used to seeing around me. You know, the, the row crops, uh, you know, tomatoes, cotton, melons, corn, Uh, Trees like almonds, pistachios, those are the commodity crops that these farmers are not getting, obviously nearly the cost per pound. So they're very focused on incremental improvements. You know, efficiencies in the the field, efficiencies in the post harvest or the packing, processing, uh, storage of the materials with less loss. That is the things that immediately popped into my attention early when I started doing these commercial facility designs. I was essentially looking at how can we do this commercially remove the human element and create a semi-automatic or an ideally and completely automated facility um, that one individual can manage quite a large square footage. Cause obviously I, I got into this business and you were a big deal when you had four lights or six lights and you didn't talk about it much. Then quickly it became these eight lighters, 12 lighters, 20 lighters, then warehouses. And now people scoff at less than 10,000 square feet. It's a lot of cannabis to be produced and a lot of people are not used to that scale of a of an operation. So that's kind of where I come in and design yeah. the facility around the business model and how much human capacity we actually have and what me, the market can bear.
0: I'm gonna get into that for a second before I go into that. What can you tell me about the distinguishing factors when it comes to say where, if there's any differences in irrigation or differences in the level of processing that processing needs to be done and how much facilities are being used for the processing versus the land being used to grow and harvest. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's tough
1: because it's, I don't have a bulletproof simple answer because every job's a little different. I have a lot of clients that are simply growing for biomass because they're an extraction business. I have some real exotic uh, genetic breeders that are growing for just flower sales. And we have a different business model as far as my infrastructure and my equipment selections. Because all the products in the market work, they will all grow plants. Just some have different efficiencies. Sure. So I p- plug in d- different designs depending on what someone's model business model is looking like downstream of the cultivation facility.
0: And that's a so for the me- versatility that you're able to do various projects oh, yeah. and what and really just and just various fields of styles of grow, various styles of processing as well. That's great to go and know that you have you've experienced so much of that, and that's what you're bringing together. So SB Silva itself, they, you specialize in cultivation and extraction facility design, engineering, construction administration, equipment selections, analyzing and comparing the competitive landscape for every equipment selection, as we were talking about just now, mm-hmm. and providing clients with detailed load calculations. And because you know, when you look at the full a summary of how much you've done. If you add it all up, you've worked on over 7 million square feet of cannabis development projects and you've built out this streamlined process, which can change from time to time. It you does. Just said yourself, it's not a full blueprint that's going to be the same, but you have a very good roadmap to go off of and you're able to drive products across the finish line efficiently. So talk to me about what this process entails. Kind of give me a little more development into yeah. what you have to work on. Well, generally speaking, uh, a lot of my clients, uh,
1: I have, I, this is actually the first time I've advertised. Honestly, it's funny. I was, you have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling current the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop real excited just to share my business and talk with you and talk shop because that's genuinely what I enjoy. But my business has been all word of mouth and most of my clients are existing clients from the years or people in their network. So typically I'm talking about a project. My specialty is cultivation, specifically indoor or high-end greenhouse. And generally I just work through, you know, what percentage that they want to sell for flower versus biomass. um, What's the harvesting strategy And then ultimately start digging into the canopy how do they want to manage the crop in regards to the benches benches whether single tier multi-tier rolling or stationary that drives the majority of the selections as far as lighting water use power use and then i ultimately back it into a mechanical load so like hvac loads especially as people are switching from high pressure sodium lighting to led lighting a lot of it's um Uh, The technology is getting better. There's a lot of uh, financial incentive as far as utility rebates. So there's a lot of pressure to switch for LEDs for many reasons. And what's what's common is people think it's going to decrease their HVAC load, which is true. It does run cooler than a high pressure sodium. So your sensible load or the cooling capacity is less. But because there's so much more usable light that the plants are delivering, there's more photon energy delivered to the plant. There's actually more transpiration, which relates to more latent capacity, more dehumidification. So essentially, that's a big part of my business is whether you're an existing operator retrofitting, we go in and we run new mechanical calculations. And I figure out exactly how much uh, additional dehumidification capacity is needed what kind of lighting grid is needed to actually retrofit the scenario. But then I have all these new clients that are either expanding or new people to the industry. And that's a much more evolved conversation, more or less talking about the building envelope, how much I can fit inside of it, being mindful about the amount of employees, the amount of uh, product we're producing there. If there's manufacturing extraction on board, I really drive into the total square footage of the canopy And that's what shapes that conversation. So we we figure out the program, which is the broad stroke layout of the facility. And then then I begin to get very um, refined in the details, selecting exact equipment that's gonna go there, which actually helps with architectural structural loads, uh, mechanical electrical plumbing uh, calculations and construction drawings. It allows me to select the equipment so I can build a budget which is huge because I actually have folks that need you know, financing. They need capital coming into these projects. And so I can determine the budget, realistic budget very quickly in the project. And if someone knows what they're doing, if they've already done it or they're expanding, I can choose with them the lights they wanna choose, the benches, the type of program they wanna run in the facility. And man, I finished projects in less than two weeks. From graph paper to plan check with permits uh, pending in two weeks and in construction in, a, in like a month and a half, which sometimes these jobs take years and yeah. lots and lots of money. So that's why I consider myself a competitive advantage is because I've just been there and was really involved early on in the early development in North America. And it's just been a nimble process, trying to streamline the plan check and engineering and getting into construction, you know, and then, and then when you start up the equipment, there's a big process of commissioning, which is essentially tuning the equipment. So it operates properly under load. Yeah. So my team yeah. goes in and, and commissions and make sure that the place is, is successful, you know, and then I can move on and work with other clients or work on their expansion projects. So, um, yeah, it starts with the plan. And I always focus heavily on the the plan view, which is the top-down view of the plans, which identifies what's actually going on inside those walls.
0: There has to be a lot of balance with the kind of guidance you're giving to these people. Big time. The level of projects they're asking for, like how many stacks or of of plants can we put? Stack it up. Can we go three, four stories on it? And th- will the space be able to go ahead and handle that kind of thing? And really, just you know, being able to go ahead and cover everything, making sure you have enough room for storage and all the compliance issues that come along with that, making sure you have, you know, the kind of whatever kind of logistics, things like that. So you can also have the calculations that you have made and how you're able to go and give those projections to them so far ahead. It's really that you've thought about everything. One of the things I want to talk about is what you did reference to just at the beginning of the show about Mm -hmm. monster gardens. So there's a new partnership you've already brought together. We're going to talk about that, uh, they're known as the most honest hydro store in the industry. We're going to talk about your partnership with them, the YouTube channel, among other things. And I'm here with Steven Silva, CEO of SB Silva LLC. And the website is sbcilva.com. Take a look at that as we go to commercial break. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business.
3: This is the story of the one.
0: B Silva LLC to help explain the level of networking you're able to offer, Stephen, you recently partnered up with Mar- Monster Gardens, and that's where you connect clients to a leading hydroponic retailer that supplies all the equipment on the drawings. And you said this about Monster Gardens quote This gives me real time inventory and volume price breaks, so I can provide clients with a dynamic financial model that drives a budget for capex in a short period of time after an engagement. Our team produces a thorough floor plan design and equipment schedule. After back and forth with the client and grower, we develop a detailed plan that spells out the entire facility and the process streamlines the engineering, construction, startup, and commissioning stages. End quote. Talk to me about the level of interest in hydroponics and how you've created this protocol. I know in Florida we've had quite a few very areas we do hydroponics, but how's it in California?
1: Well, it's it's a it's a tough industry. I tell you, the hydroponic industry has struggled, uh, in a lot of ways, the industry is growing quickly. Uh, there's essentially they're the retailer in the supply chain. So there's obviously manufacturers and wholesalers, and they typically have used these retail stores that they call hydro stores or hydroponic Mm -hmm. stores. And monster gardens was one of the first e-commerce hydro stores. Again, I stumbled on it when I moved to Northern California, I was in Sonoma County going to school and, uh, I was referred there because they needed a manager. So I was actually their first employee. People know me for the Monster Gardens YouTube videos because those videos are very popular. We just hit our 77,000 subscriber and we're getting about 100,000 views a month and about 600 new subscribers month over month. Wow. And what, what I do now is different than what my old videos were. My old videos were comparing products and you know, new things would come to market and I would explain it. And that's essentially what got us popular is when Canada came online with their Health Canada pharmaceutical facilities, Mm -hmm. before any of the recreational market in the United States, we did a lot of work in Canada because there wasn't information prevalent, but our video channel was very deep, cutting edge. So they just hit us up organically. Then it started to roll into the United States and it was the same thing, our videos were popular. I took a sabbatical from the company so I could build an engineering business. I basically teamed up with a group of leaders in the space Some of my senior guys, and we ultimately built a mechanical engineering firm and did the same thing. We took all of our knowledge about the equipment in the GROW facility, but we pivoted to only talking about HVAC because these facilities are manufacturing operations. They're a process, there's a heavy amount of uh, heat load and heat transfer and moisture that needs to be mitigated, automation that's needed. So it it was quick that we realized that we were teaching these engineers what they were doing, what to do, what the city was actually regulating. So we made a firm, an engineering firm and produced construction drawings for about five years. I've since circled back with Monster Gardens because they complete the pie in my opinion, because the holy grail is turnkey jobs, turnkey projects. And so when I have access to all of the leaders in the space, as far as equipment vendors, equipment manufacturers, I get access to their pricing. I see where the price breaks when there's, quant- when people order high quantities, they get price breaks, right? Mm-hmm. And I have, I talk to these vendors every day. So as a service for my clients, I'm already spelling out the equipment. The least I could do is give them an accurate price and transparently tell them where the cost basis adjusts down based on volume. And there's a lot of times that there's deals that happen throughout the year. So I just pass on those deals. It's, I'm, I'm a, good, honest guy. We run an honest business at Monster Gardens. I'm a board of directors there. uh, But I basically just try to help out good people. And they're a good, honest hydro business in a a pretty tough, tough industry. So for me, it's um, I'm just always trying to do the right thing to my client and being able to be a single point of contact for all the equipment and giving them a rock and deal is pretty good value in my opinion
0: hydroponics is very tough it's a it's quite of a niche and also i can imagine with what you were doing in canada <clears throat> we've talked to a number of canadian companies that were building out million square foot facilities there and mm-hmm. just the the size and scope the level of inventory they have to have and really you know they were planning for such a supply and demand but of course it had their issues they've had to export quite a bit of their product because they don't have enough uh, they can't reach there's not enough demand within the country for push it out but again million square foot facilities, large swaths in British Columbia that they're picking up because they're just growing themselves out to such a point. Um, Do you see the same thing happening in the the States eventually once legalization is rolled out? I do. I definitely do. I mean,
1: it it is a race to harvest, as I mentioned earlier. It's a phrase actually my old partner came up with because it's true. Our clients were always in a hurry and they were just dying to get to their first harvest. There's always money going out. So it was a matter of how can I get permits quicker? How can I get into operation quicker? So we quickly developed a streamlined process of producing these construction drawings. When they know what they're doing, we can get the job done quick. If people are unsure about what equipment to use, or sometimes they're a little like, I find a little insecure about the scale that they're moving into, I find those equipment selections become more difficult to get approved by the client. And that's where my experience knowing the evolution of the equipment comes in because I can coach them along so that way they know what their different selections are and what the competitive landscape is for all the lights on the market or all the fertilizer on the market. We can make hard choices really quick. And ultimately, um, it drives them quicker to that first harvest, which gets them going. But no, Brasco, you're right. I mean, we we are quickly becoming a commodity crop uh, in the United States. I know there's a lot of people that are banking on interstate commerce once federally legalization happens. This is just my personal opinion. I don't see that happening. I see, I see it federally legalization for sure. I see banking for sure. Uh, we are dying for, for institutional financial investments. You know, the CapEx on these projects are so heavy that it's private lenders that are coming in the space. However, so many states are banking on this tax revenue that if these states that, rec- that need this money, if they all of a sudden have product coming in from other states, say the West Coast that's used to producing commodities at scale, oh my goodness, the Central, the central Valley is set up for big agriculture. If we're allowed to export cannabis, California cannabis all over the United States, it's a cost of goods sold argument at that point, and the scale is unbelievably Daunting. So in in my personal opinion, I see it going state by state for quite a while because of the simple fact of the states are able to monitor it and regulate regulate it and bank on that tax revenue for their infrastructure, Um, which that's what I hope. I hope the industry can continue to roll out at the pace it's going, because I think that the whole – when the lid blows off with federal legalization, there's going to be a lot more noise in the industry than there is today.
0: Well, as long as it's just – It's a federal oversight, but not an overreach where they're looking to try to control what states are doing. And the states independently can continue to regulate as they do, which most of them are doing quite a good job anyway. I think so. But creating just some formal, you know, template to work off of a set of standards that everybody should follow along with. then give us the oversight for that and let us go and do our job.
1: I agree. I completely agree. It would make the most sense. It's just when I start to see product go from one state to the next state, I start to feel I start to feel for the uh, the other states that aren't going to receive the tax revenue when there's old, mature markets that are just simply more set up for scale.
0: But that's where also while we're waiting for things to happen, I always said that, you know, with while we're waiting for interstate commerce to come into play so that when there's product can be pushed to, from other states to, to other states that might not be as well served, you, you want to be able to go and see where maybe if a California, Washington, Oregon, Arizona all connected together. You know, with borders, can they go ahead and work together to create some kind of a coalition, something a regional kind of coalition to go ahead and start interstate commerce and lead the charge until we can go federal coast to coast with all of our products right. and right. shipping them however we have to go and ship them. And it um, may happen. And that's why for me, in my opinion, I'm
1: big on uh, expansion projects. I see my clients going, they're very successful in one state and they quickly move to another state. And for me, it's all about repeating the standard operating procedures so they can scale the business from one facility to the next. And that's where the infrastructure comes in every single time.
0: And when you have already been one location, if there's another facility needs to be built, the expansion comes into play. You're already set to go with what you're doing and you have the people in place to make that happen. So exactly. uh, I want to make a point again about the Monster Gardens YouTube channel, eighty almost 80,000 subscribers. 100,000 monthly views on videos showcasing leaders in the industry, showcasing products and explaining how equipment is integrated in a facility. You have now evolved into something more with that. So real quickly, go ahead and touch again on where people can find that YouTube channel and the new content you're now building on.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, Monster Gardens is just monstergardens.com. Uh, you know, great hydroponic business, hydroponic uh, e-commerce store. The YouTube channel is just monstergardens.com as well. And uh, you, you'll see, I mean, there's, over you know, about 400 videos now um, we've culled out some of the old ones that were a little irrelevant uh, as new products have come on the market, Yeah. but uh, no, it's fun. I mean, my, my deal there is I do what they call the gross stuff insider videos. I basically just go inside of equipment manufacturers and customers and tour facilities and just talk shop and just try to be like the insider that just asks different questions that people don't typically ask or people don't really know until they get involved with the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm more or less just talking to my friends. I mean, they're all just vendors that I've been working with for years and monster is a platform that people can utilize to launch their brands better and get more reach. So, um, it's an ecosystem for me. I'm all about just the ecosystem of vendors and customers and, um, you know, that, that's what goes back to your original question about the network, right? These right. networks of architects and engineers and contractors all over the nation. Um, I'm, I'm big on reputation and building a network because it's all about just, you know, supporting the customer and getting the jobs done.
0: Let's follow along with that after a short break. We're going to go back to one more break. And when we come back, I want to go and continue to talk about the level of the network and with the level of services you provide. So let's go and go to break. I'm here with Steven Silva, CEO of SB Silva LLC Website is S B Silva, S I L V and also website for Monstergardens.com. If you want to take a look at the YouTube channel, all the great content that's there. We'll be back after a short break.
3: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
0: Back with final questions with Steven Silva, CEO with SB Silva LLC. And before the break, we were still talking about the fact of how there are a lot of people who should be interested in working with you right now. First of all, I want to go ahead and shout out to Clay Townsend, Capital Financing Group, CFG Funds, for helping to go ahead and facilitate the interview for us. We're going to be talking to Clay on our upcoming episode of Blunt Business. But for those that are interested in working with you, Stephen, you've talked about just before the break and throughout the show about this unique network of professionals in development, construction, manufacturing, engineering, and architectural fields to build a dynamic development team executing land use projects. So can you, do you want to make any references to any of the people people behind the scenes and who you've gotten to work with over the years that are working with you now and how can they work with you, connect with you and your network?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The easiest way to get in touch with me is definitely through the website, through SB Silva. Uh, I have my email directly on there. I have a uh, calendar uh, to schedule right there. that's the best way to get in touch with me. It, I have no particular names I wanna drop in, per se, but I'd say that um, I have my preferred vendors. I usually have about three to five in each category. Okay. So I consider them, I have like 15 categories that complete a project. And it's essentially, you know, lighting, plant management, racking, fertilizer, medium, HVAC, um, post-harvest, extraction, those, all those categories, depending on the customer's business model, I, of course, have my preferred vendors. Of course, I find I've done a lot of diligence in this space. I'm always looking at new technology. That's mostly what Monster Gardens is known for is like pushing the envelope on new cutting edge tech. So I have that as part of my ethos. And at the same time, you know, people like like Clay, you mentioned Clay, you know, I mean, he's, He's a gentleman that I'm so grateful for, for bringing me, uh, into this podcast and making this happen by facilitating it. Um, you know, I don't always get involved in the financial side of things, but it's, it's happened through osmosis. You know, my clients are often sold on these projects costing X. And then once I get involved, I find out I'm the bad guy because I tell them it costs Y. And that's why I'm big on these front of the project details, spelling it out in truth, And that's why I like having contacts of contractors, because then they can legitimately tell me what the install cost is. Sure, I can get you all the materials cost of what everything, you know, you're going to pay for all these hard goods. But the install cost is a variable for a lot of folks. And depending on where you are in the country, whether it's a union job or a non-union job, depending on the the materials or the selections that are being made, uh, the price is a moving target. So having contacts like Clay that are, um, you know, a private capital investor is big. I mean, it's debt financing. Not everyone in the space is trying to give up equity. So when you have debt financing, especially when you have a large sum for these projects, it's a good resource to have. Um, And at the same time, I mean, I have other random resources, like some people want to build phase zero, like where they are planning a master development, but they just want to build up a quick room or they want to get extracting in a quick turnkey room I even have contacts like that, that do like these modular turnkey builds that I just spec in the equipment, but they ultimately provide the enclosures. And so depending on what the client needs, I always have a guy. It's like classic, it it didn't start out that way, but I've been in this thing for 12 years, focused heavily on building a network and a good reputation. And and, uh, yeah, I mean, I like to think I have a, a pretty good Rolodex now just to get things complete
0: even if they're out of my scope. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of work. And to foster those relationships and the amount of work you've done, you know, it's there. There are a lot of people that they if they need somebody trusted, you know, this is where the investment you put into it has to be. You can't cut corners on this. Not you at all. Cut corners on it. You don't want to cut corners on, you know, trying to find people that, uh, especially when you can work with people that have worked with each other as well within this network. It's not just with you. It's within each other. You want to have that kind of that, that network that's in place so that everything can be done seamless. They can all work together. Maybe they're on even, like, related projects. So everything can be timed out right. Everything can be done within time, you know, under under the deadline, things like that. And, again, that race to harvest, you know, that's what you're also paying that extra extra price point for because mm-hmm. you want it done right. You want it done fast, and you want the right people on the job to get this done. So that's what S.B. Silva is all about. That's what we're talking about here on the program here with Stephen Silva, CEO of S.B. Silva, LLC. Website is sbsilva.com, S-I-L-V-A, monstergardens.com. You want to take a look at the YouTube channel for all the great content there if you want to follow along with Stephen. Hopefully, Stephen, we get you back on here on the show, and uh, who knows what we can do. I, I think we definitely want to keep hearing about what you're doing in this process and really the inside work of creating this real I mean, I almost feel like it's a show we should have called The Cannabis Blueprint. And it's just to get that cultivation, learn what it is all about it, talk to some of those service partners of yours, and we really learn about all this. If there's something we can do online, I'd love to be able to do that. But in the meantime, let's go and continue the conversation on another episode.
1: I love it. I appreciate it. There's a lot more to share.
0: All right. Thank you, folks, for listening in for another edition of Blunt Business. Again, remember down the line, I will have Clay Townsend, who I reference on the program, who's with CSG Funds. We'll talk to him on the financial side of things and maybe some of the work he's done with Steve uh, in previous projects. Anyway, with that, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Brasco. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story
3: of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,